Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. SDG Talkers, welcome back. Today, you're going to hear about all things SDG 3 from Dr. Vivek Manaharan, who has more than 10 years of hospital biomedical research, biomedical commercialization, and leading research in entrepreneurship from institutions such as the National University of Singapore, Nanyang Technical University, and many others. His new startup has created a lollipop-like device to deliver healthcare testing, which is making new healthcare gains with COVID and other diseases. Vivek has a radiant personality and is all around just great person to learn from. I know you're going to enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. And always remember to keep on SDG talking. Vivek, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kevin. Thanks for having me here. And I'm happy to see a fellow on Unleashing itself. So, so good. Hey. Good Unleash plug. It's always good to see fellow Unleashers as well. And for those within the Unleash community and those in the SDG Talks community, tell us where are you located today? I'm originally based out of Singapore, but currently I am in India because I came for work, work involving uh, studying COVID-19 and its spread. So yeah, I'm currently in India, but I'm based out of Singapore. And so you are a biomedical engineer. I know I've seen that title on LinkedIn and from others. What does that even mean? I am a biomedical engineer and a scientist and I want to know. So what it really means is it uh, uses uh, engineering principles, uh, engineering technology for the betterment of biomedical and healthcare community. And that's what I aspire to do. I aspire to use my engineering skills to design, develop, and use my scientist skills to test, as well as my entrepreneurship skill and my advocacy skills to sell it uh, and impact on SDG3. So that's what biomedical is all about, using engineering technology and science to solve for SDG3, according to <laughs> Engineering, technology, science, entrepreneurship. That is a winning combo for pretty much <laughs> most things in life. Yes. You, you didn't add money to it. Money and luck matters. Money for sure helps too. <laughs> and luck too. And it, luck, you know. I hey, agree. Sometimes I'd rather, <laughs> rather be lucky than good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned SDG3, good health and well-being. Of course, I look at all the SDGs and all the beautiful colors and, and just in a lot of ways, I think the SDGs are this great North Star roadmap for us all to aspire towards. But you having your background in good health and well-being, obviously spent a lot of time there. For some of us who have maybe not the best contacts on SDG3, good health and well-being, in your terms, what, what is it and, and sort of what is the goal and purpose of SDG3? If you ask me how I have understood SDG3 and especially in terms of, you know, the, the lens of biomedical science and engineering, I, I would see that you know, SDG3 aspires to make healthcare simple, accessible and impactful for all. Because currently there is a very, very nasty dividend uh, in the healthcare sector across uh, our mid, middle income, rich and lower income countries. And if you see, look at the statistics and data, it's, it's currently very skewed. And I think SDG3 aspires to make life better in terms of using technology, public health uh, ideas and others, ensure that everyone has equal access, better access, and everyone lives a healthy life in terms of uh, uh, well-being, mental health, physical health, as also 
the absence of diseases, and if disease occurs, early detection. So that's the overall picture. So I imagine that within the whole, ever since 2020, in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, you've you've been quite busy with some of your work within what you just, the picture you just described as far as making healthcare simple, accessible, and impactful, and, and really also using early detection. How has your work evolved or taken off with that focus around testing ever since March 2020? Sure, sure. Actually, SDG3 now is very relevant, especially after the, the, the coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus pandemic, because that has openly shown to every one of us how unequal and how, uh, you know, dangerous lack of healthcare or more healthcare is. Yeah, you can see the whole spectrum of things that's happening because of the pandemic. So what I did during the pandemic was, and what my training aspired to do was uh, to use simple technologies to understand the problem in terms of design thinking and also in terms of impact perspective and use simple engineering and the technology solutions to address the gap. And the one gap which I saw in the current SDG scenario, especially in terms of communicable disease, in terms of COVID-19 was uh, sample collection because uh, people needed an infrastructure, meaning they needed money to have a, a nurse or a technician or a clinic or a clean environment to collect samples because you know COVID samples tends to get aerosolized and infect others. And my solution through my training aspired to make it simpler. That's why I came up with a lollipop device, a simple device, which you need not have a trained technician or a clean environment. You can, the patients or the subjects can use it themselves. It's very intuitive. And even from kids to old people can do it. And my idea was to use that especially in terms of self-collection of samples for all communicable diseases. And then you can easily use it as an early detection mechanism. You need not have a costly infrastructure for early detection. A simple lollipop or simple chewing gum could be used as a viable detection method. And that was where where I'm working on. And I have had early success results in that as well. And and why is it that the non-invasive and easy to conduct testing is so important? Uh, and you mentioned this lollipop style testing. Yes. Why is it important, and, and sort of how, how does that work? So how it works. Number one, the importance is you get faster and early detection, and less infrastructure needed for that detection. Because imagine if I hand out lollipops or chewing gums to to people and they can simply use it and it can be safely transported to a lab where detection can happen. Meaning you need not have the infrastructure to collect the samples and transport it. It can happen by its own. So that's one thing. The second thing is we use what we call a stimulated oral fluid collection and soft cup oral fluid collection. Meaning we have a very safe design device which enables you to chew like a lollipop which thereby stimulates saliva production, which could be used for COVID-19 or any other detection. And also the lollipop was designed in such a way that you can do a very soft cough without creating aerosol so that even any uh, upper respiratory tract infection can also be detected. And you can all do this at home, at the comfort of your room or you know, at, at, at the comfort of your own private space. And then safely, you can either drop it off or transport it uh, using your existing hospital chain or laboratory. That's the whole idea. And uh, we really hope that uh, there is sample collection gap, especially in lower and middle income countries for uh, communicable diseases because of the infrastructure requirement. And uh, our idea is a simple, less than $1 solution like on Olipop could make sample collection easy, thereby it could be processed uh, 
uh, faster too instead of waiting for you know a nurse or technician and then uh, doing the whole process. And so right now, this is designed around COVID SARS detection. Is this sort of idea of a lollipop style testing through saliva something that could be applied to other diseases or in that same sort of idea of lollipop testing put into a bag, put in mail and get results? Anything else it could be applied for or right now or just COVID? Technically, it could be applied for a variety of diseases, but our clinical trial has proven for COVID-19 and we're currently working on tuberculosis as our next uh, target market. And further, we'll be narrowing it down to STIs, sexually transmitted infections. But if you look at current existing evidence, uh, saliva-based testing can be extended for various conditions, including influenza, uh, measles, uh, HIV, uh, etc. So we are trying to target it uh, one by one, starting with COVID-19 as the current pandemic is something which needs immediate attention, followed by tuberculosis, which is also another pandemic-like situation in the current scenario. Yeah. Well, no doubt there's been quite a bit of brains and innovation trying to target the the testing, the treatment, the vaccines, and it's really been an amazing feat for the medical field. So kudos to you and others in the, in the medical field, because I know it's, it's definitely given a lot of us some a glimmer of hope that we will continue to get through this. But but no doubt, I think what else it kind of, to me, shows is that we're always going to have that next challenge. There's always going to be this next disease or issue that we need to come together at, as a human species to, to combat. And I know within the UN SDGs, we talk about this roadmap to 2030. And right now it's, it's what's well, December, it's almost it's November, 2021. And I think for most people, it's like, whoa, I thought it was just 2020. Now it's almost 2022. And, and COVID-19 is still around. <laughs> still a thing, you know, then there's the Delta. Now there's the Omicron and who knows what, what is next. But I'd love to know your, your kind of thoughts of some of the biggest challenges, but also opportunities within the roadmap to 2030. Because like I said, Unleash and UN, they talk a lot about this roadmap to 2030. And it, sometimes it's maybe a little bit ambiguous, but what sort of from a high level perspective, like what are some of your biggest challenges that you see and biggest opportunities around SDG3 or, or any of the SDGs as we enter 2022 and, and approach 2030 in, in eight years? Sure, sure. That's a very good question, Kevin. I would say the challenges I foresee, especially in the lens of SDG3 in 2030, the first major thing would be, of course, uh, pandemics, especially involving pathogens and bacteria. So, of course, coronavirus is one thing, but if you have been watching a scientific community, especially the virologist community closely, this comes as no surprise. Because uh, technically speaking, every 10 years, there is a small outbreak of either swine flu or SARS or uh, SARS-CoV-2. And, uh, you know, just that this got wider and bigger and the whole uh, attention came to it and now we are working to, towards it. In fact, uh, if you look very closely, uh, the pathogens evolve. Uh, that's the law of nature and law of life. And uh, evolving pathogens mean that medical technology and medical research has to be on the mark, on the cutting edge, in the forefront with these pathogens. And uh, SDG3, especially in terms of communicable diseases, targets set to minimize diseases, meaning, yes, we would work towards minimizing communicable diseases, but the disease gets smarter. Thereby, it's very challenging. Thereby, the investments on healthcare and technology should not be stopped. There should be there should be more innovations, 
more investments in R&D, and you know, there's no such thing called a boring healthcare research. You know, make sure that you know all public health sectors, especially in terms of community communities, get funded because the viruses are getting smarter, and antibiotic resistance is also another big challenge facing uh, the scientific community in terms of SDG three. And another big challenge in terms of SDG three would also be number one, the aging population. Aging population would mean a lot of healthcare burden on societies, including mental health and other other burdens, which has to be addressed and which has to be properly dealt with. Because that puts a lot of stress on infrastructure, especially in terms of infrastructure for like manpower or doctors. And the fourth challenge I foresee in terms of my experience would also be sexually transmitted infections, which is which is a very big thing. But I'm very surprised it's not being spoken widely. In the public uh, space, uh, STIs are going to be a big challenge in the future, especially access to contraception, access to safe sex is something which is going to be, of course, you know, there is enough information, but still content usage and uh, contraception usage is not up to them. So these four are the big challenges I foresee. Of course, uh, if you look at modern uh, lifestyles like obesity and mental health is there, but still I would say, uh, you know, uh, focusing on communicable disease, focusing on uh, antibiotic resistance, Aging population and STIs would be my, uh, you know, uh, nightmarish scenarios, which I really hope the world would focus on. And so, thank you for painting those four pictures. When you think about maybe when you're taking a walk or you're in the shower or you're wherever, where does your brain go as far as thinking, especially being an engineer, about where are we now and what is possible? Because it seems like a lot of innovation is actually possible today, but there's either there's egos in the way or there's lack of funding or just some red tape. But this is kind of open-ended. Like what, where do you see as like some of the best opportunity for innovations within those four macro challenges that you just laid out? I would say innovations are very much possible, especially for the aging market. Because currently I see designers, uh, you know, especially, you know, indoor designers and healthcare designers designing environment suitable for aging, designing, uh, uh, you know, digital solutions, designing, uh, you know, for other solutions suitable for aging. And uh, even when I shower, I have this, uh, uh, you know, visual picture of me getting old and all potential things that could happen to me and what all thing I would design in my home in terms of having bigger screens to bigger keyboards to, you know, handrails, to helmets, to even walking uh, shoes. So that's that's what I would, I am imagining about, you know, if I get old and the world is getting older, what are some potential innovations we could do to make sure that we age well? We don't just fall down or even if you get Alzheimer's, how do we make sure that everything happens properly? But another nightmare scenario I have is about pandemics, uh, Kevin, to be very honest. Because uh, as someone who has now currently studied viruses and bacteria so closely, uh, that's one nightmare thing. Even Bill Gates has his, has his nightmare. If you see Bill Gates' TED Talk five years from uh, before, I mean, he gave a TED Talk in 2005 or 2006 where he talks about the, the global pandemic. And that is still worrying a lot of scientific community that, you know, pandemics are not over because we are dealing with uh, a virus that, that can mutate completely or a bacteria that, that mutates. That, thereby, we should be on the cutting edge in terms of detecting these pandemics, meaning we, especially a zoonotic diseases where we come closely with animals. So actually, I have a fear of even interacting with animals these days. Of course, it's a very hyped up fear, but imagine a zoonotic origin could easily skip on you 
and uh, you know there are the caves in thailand where people just freely walk in and there are bad shits everywhere and you know you never know what to come in so i imagine if there is that an application or innovation around early detection of diseases that instant detection of diseases and then you know instant treatment that could put something be amazing and the challenge is hindering in number one is i as a scientist feel number one this lack of scientific temper in the society now especially anti vaccination you know all the hype about the anti vaxxers is really doing harm to the society because the way you understand science is not proper that is creating more challenges especially in the political domain where politicians don't understand science and technology well so they either look look at it as a market or a voting voting or a political tool rather than looking at in terms of impact and others so if they see science is properly they should understand that we fail uh, science science fail and science is nothing but a history of failures coming together and make things better and number two the science is not perfect yes we did predict we didn't predict the coronavirus pandemic and uh, they were all hopeful that vaccines would two doses of vaccine would be enough but no now we need third doses but that doesn't mean that you know should not trust scientists what scientists tend to do is scientists is trying to correct itself on its mistakes or invent new things by making mistakes so that by uh, toleration towards science mistakes is a challenge which uh, the political or the public has to understand in terms of moving towards sustainability and the last point is um, evidence based medicine okay that i see as a big big challenge in sdg3 because evidence based medicine or evidence based approach in terms of public health or sdg3 is not very prevalent uh, people are either anecdotal or emotional or they simply would just want to see what works or they want to play with the hype even in terms of the current travel lockdowns and the booster doses if you know booster dose was called a scam by the uh, who chief uh, the alpha vaccine so who chief so these are things which you know is very very challenging especially on the scientific and the failure domain which uh, needs uh, a public perception uh, change hopefully the coronavirus pandemic and the successful vaccination would uh, turn it all around Well, I think COVID has really opened a lot of our eyes to the importance of evidence-based science and also realizing that failure in some regards is actually a great thing to help us push the boundaries and really figure out what works and in good science does take time and I know that's sure. been some of the concerns on aspects of the vaccine but I I think just looking at to me one of the most encouraging things was seeing the whole scientific community come together in a way that's never been done before and hopefully seeing how we can apply that to to other major disease and medical challenges and like you said from from the aging population to other detections of of future pandemics of how do we detect it better and how do we prepare better and you know maybe that kind of lead into the next question of are we prepared for the next pandemic I mean is there have have we learned anything from the past 18 months and are we prepared for the next pandemic I mean it seems like every variant it's like a maybe a new pandemic but are we prepared for that next pandemic in 6 months and 6 years and and 60 years I mean what's your take on that In my opinion based on my ecosystem I am in especially in covid testing ecosystem and you know uh, covid testing policy ecosystem Uh, the world is currently aware the world is currently hoping to get prepared for the next pandemic but if you look at it in terms of uh, number one availability of resources perception and political will 
I am worried that uh, the next pandemic, uh, if it comes, and if this, uh, by the way, we are lucky that we got COVID-19 because COVID-19 is one of the most less deadly viruses we know. In, in fact, if you look at the literature, there are even deadlier viruses, which, which likely has not mutated and has not caused mass disruption. Coronavirus is like the least deadly we know, but that has itself caused so much damage. Imagine another measles outbreak. Measles is like, you know, very, very severe. And here's our, another uh, chicken pox or typhoid outbreak. You never know. So the preparedness is slowly picking up. The awareness is slowly picking up. But uh, I have a feeling that uh, the political will is looking at it as just in a very passive way, but not in an active way, meaning you only prepare if something bad happens, but not actively engaging and doing things. I mean, especially in terms of vaccination, you know, Yes, uh, we were quick in terms of putting vaccines uh, in people's uh, jabs in people's uh, arms. But then, you know, the advancement of vaccines stopped. In and, you know, they were like, you know, only when a new variant comes, you know, this, this vaccine is being added. So this is one example, but, uh, you know, that's my take on it. We are aware. We hope we are ready. But uh, if you look deeply and look, look at the details, we are not there yet. This is a very scary scenario. Yeah. It's unfortunately a little bit easier to be lazy and passive about this and just be reactionary as opposed to being proactive and making investments on something that may not happen. But I think as we know, there's this constant evolving challenge that we face as humanity, whether, like you said, some of these interactions with animals or or just population growth and, and resource constraints, we're continuing to hit some of these tipping points to where something has to give. And we were, were bound to have some type of challenge. So it's just, again, you, you painted a good picture there. So thank you for that. So one other, one other thing that we, we mentioned just right at the beginning, and I wanted to let all our listeners get, get some context on this, the whole concept of Unleash. We both have been part of Unleash in different ways. From your perspective and hearing from someone that's been active and involved in Unleash, what is Unleash to you? And what are you, what, what are you doing with Unleash today? Okay, Unleash to me means a lot of things, but uh, to put it very succinctly, it's like this, this community of SDG passionate people. These are all uh, you know thousands and thousands of people who are uh, committed towards uh, SDGs, meaning whatever they do, whatever they, all their waking hours and sleeping hours, they're only dreaming about SDGs. How do we solve for it and how do we work towards And that's Unleash and this uh, community is coming up with innovative solutions to change the world in terms of SDGs, and we are hopeful that uh, these solutions will help accelerate SDGs. That's Unleash uh, to me. Um, in fact, uh, I, I usually call it uh, Unleash is like uh, SDG Avengers equivalent in the current universe. Because imagine if you all of us are Avengers in the SDG world, each having their own superpowers trying to <laughs> make this world a better and a safer place. That would be my take on Unleash. I and, couldn't uh, agree more. It's just a lot. Of, that was one of my takeaways from Unleash, which is you had all these different people from different walks of life, from all the different countries around the world. All of us, maybe in some capacity, standing on a soapbox, talking about the most important SDG that would to us, and just putting all those people together in a room it is amazing. Some of the solutions we can come up with, I and mean, I think that was also. While that was great, it's still also a lot of it does come down to what happens after Unleash. 
I think COVID has has evolved unleashed to being a a more of an everyday thing, everyday interactions through hacks and engagements. And as you know, being an entrepreneur, it's not just participate in a hackathon and come up with a really good idea. You then need to partner with certain people that have some of the skill sets that you don't have. It is find five, 10, 50, $100,000 of pilot program funding to prove your concept. It is then finding those pilot program and users to really bring your concept to life. So give me, paint that picture to me a little bit more of going from ideation to pilot, to implementation, to execution, to scale. Unleash talks a lot about those steps. How have you approached that and, and where are you at it today with your startup? Yeah, actually that is, uh, in fact, I call myself the true blue Unleash success story because what happened was I was a lab rat because I, after my PhD, I was a postdoctoral researcher in in, in National and I was confined to lab and whatever happened, I, I, it's either do it for publishing or for grants. But when I joined Unleash in 2018, especially that's when you know, my perspective opened up looking at these SDG-conscious people and who are passionate about solving for SDGs. And that's when I took my first step. So in the team which I worked with in 2018 and Unleash Singapore Conference or Innovation Lab, as you maybe as we call it, we came up with an idea of using chewing gum for HIV detection, meaning a chewing gum can be used for HIV detection technically. And we developed a concept with that. And then that inspired me that, you know, me and Labrat, suggesting an idea and the idea got promoted among the community and then I got all the laurels and that inspired me to take my first step into entrepreneurship. I quit my job and I joined an incubator recommended by Anish. And then I was working on the chewing gum idea. The chewing gum became a lollipop because of uh, technical and science consideration. And after becoming a lollipop, the accelerator and also Anish helped me to get my first uh, funding. So through the accelerator recommended by Anish, I participated in the investment company. They were very impressed with my idea, especially the, the, the impact to the SCP. And they gave me 100,000 US dollar funding and also all the partnerships to continue my idea. And that's how my COVID lollipop currently came by. And now I'm partnering with Unleash again and also through other partners in scaling up my COVID-19 lollipop in India, Singapore, and other ASEAN regions. And this completely happened because I'm young Unleash. I did it in Unleash Hackathon. They, and I took the risk of quitting my job and joining an accelerator that remembered by Unleash. And then Unleash took me up and helped me get funding. And now I am a fund, fully funded startup trying to make impact in COVID-19 space with my lollipop like Swap. So amazing. Well, you are you truly an Unleash success story and, and it's only only just beginning. And I'd love to, to hear from your words too of someone else that is interested in some aspect of innovation. And I think one thing I often talk about within this podcast and others is many people think that they have to create the next Instagram or this next incredible medical device or whatever it may be to really innovate. But what we've seen is that there's so many aspects of innovation. You can be a small piece of the puzzle. And and if anything, with self-awareness, acknowledge that you may not have everything it takes, but you have a couple of important pieces of the puzzle. But by joining in a community like Unleash, you can build a team around you to then work together on a, a very big problem. So what would you say to aspiring entrepreneurs or just aspiring people with good ideas on how this gets started to innovate around SDGs? I would say um, that, you know, especially 
you know, innovate us victim to either pull the problem towards them. And meaning like, you know, they kind of create the innovation first and then try to find a problem that fits their innovation. That's one major thing which I saw. One thing that Unleash gave to me is because uh, I had the knowledge, I had the expertise, I had experience, and Unleash gave me a problem which I applied. And that's how I feel so far my project has been successful in terms of sample collection. So the problem was stigma around STI testing and how do we solve it, and a chewing gum helped there. So that is where I recommend innovators to look for problems and look for where you can add value or look for improvements in solutions, and that's where you can innovate. And the second thing I want the uh, uh, innovators to focus on is uh, uh, always try to build a proof of concept and always try to see if the market forces accept your idea. Yes, SDG means you're looking at a social cause, we're looking at impact. But there's something called market forces, uh, which always batter your idea. No matter how lovely your idea is, how good your idea is, how evidence-based your idea is, market has to accept. And that's a reality I, I realize the hard way. Yes, my idea of an Olipop was cool, was brilliant. But when it comes to the market, the challenges I see is the numerous and tough. So always, number one, be ready for the market. Even if the market beats you down, remember you are like an Avenger. You have your superpower. That's not going to go away. Uh, you know, you are using your superpower to help. So come up with another solution to beat the market force. <laughs> yep. That would be my uh, like, advice to one of my favorite entrepreneurs, Gary Vaynerchuk, always says, the market is the market is the market. And the market doesn't care what you look like, your age, where you're located. If your idea sucks, it's not going to go anywhere. If you have something that the market wants, the market will let you know. And I couldn't agree more that testing your idea and getting that feedback is so important early because then it just allows you to tweak and edit your idea before you spend however much money wasted on something that the market really doesn't even want. And also, I also have one more advice. So if the market beats you down, and especially I want to you know, request the community to do that. If you have an innovator or entrepreneur who market has beaten down, please don't look down upon him. <laughs> please don't make him as a gossip story, you know, uh, because there's something called luck. Of course, you know, we call it luck, but there's this called black swans and random brownie emotions other things in place, which also is about how market flows. You know, that is also a market flows. You never know. So, you know, and if if someone is uh, down or market has defeated them and, you know, he or she is a superpower with good innovation, innovative uh, capability, encourage them to do more. And don't let market rule you. Yes, market uh, is important, but market is self-serving. <laughs> so yep. please, please don't let market rule you, but market is very important. We have to be with the market to survive. Yeah, and I so couldn't agree. It's like as regardless of what I just said, on the flip side, it's if you are passionate and you've got that idea and you totally believe in it, go after it. And it's okay to to get punched in the face and fall and fall and, and mess up a few times, but same day, same time, just still getting feedback, I think is is helpful for any entrepreneur. Yes. Um, because if you're just living in a silo and you don't pressure test it, and if you're just looking at a whiteboard and just reading books, then you come out twelve months later and then there's already kind of a new trend and all your work was, I don't want to say it's wasted, but it just, it wasn't as efficient or productive as it could have been. That's true. I, I have a feeling that SDG is now currently aligning itself with market forces. Thereby I'm positive that we would see some good outcome in terms of SDG3 healthcare products because, you know, market wants uh, what SDG3 wants. So hopefully there's an alignment. But the problem with market is, like I said, profits <laughs> comes in. 
as easy whole, as impact that, and social class. So how do we connect them both? I don't know. <laughs> that whole thing of human greed, I tell you. <laughs> Capitalistic <laughs> tendencies just driving the human brain over actual yes. morality and ethics. Yeah, I think Adam Smith would be happy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's giving us a thumbs up right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, I, I would say SDG should align itself with the market. He's to try to turn the market in its favor. Uh, yeah. And if market is in your favor, achieving SDGs is easier than you think. Agreed. I think that's a big uh, one of the big takeaways I took from SDG as well. Some aspects of nonprofit work and, and charity is very good and needed in some applications. If you can find that type of alignment of social impact with a sustainable business where you're not just reliant on outside grants and outside funding, but you actually have a business model, your chance for success is, I don't have a percentage, but it's substantially higher. And you know, it allows you, and I think it's good in many situations to expect people to pay. And I know in some areas, funding, you know, even a dollar might be, seem expensive, but there is a cost of doing healthcare, there's a cost of providing food, there's a cost of providing water, cost of building roads. So it's okay to get people around the world to pay certain amounts to, to fund your solution. But it's, it's, of course, important to make sure that if it's something developed going after some of the people population in the global south, that you can make it economically feasible to where it's affordable. And then hopefully with being affordable, something at scale can really look to have a large impact and also be very financially, I don't say lucrative, but financially worth whoever the entrepreneur's time is to to solve that yeah. social impact issue. Actually, Kevin, you have a, a very good point here because I also realized that the hard way because I, I have a PhD, I'm a, I'm a scientist and engineer by heart. But when I came into the market and the whole entrepreneurship ecosystem, I realized the importance of learning economics, especially business. So maybe it's also one more advice to upcoming entrepreneurs and innovators in the SDG sector would be that some economics uh, would help. So, you know, go to an online course or a book and learn a bit about the economics, especially behavioral economics, which kind of puts you in the right perspective to, you know, invent and innovate around. Because economics is the key in terms of bringing a solution to the market and market listens to economics. Yep. Now and then I think a lot about behavioral economics and even more so this other concept that I learned from a fellow unleasher, Alan Townsend. It's called sense making. Chris Masberg wrote the book and a lot of it sort of looks at not just accepting the way things are on the surface, but really starting to dig and ask why, why humans do what they do. And I'm actually reading another book called Small Data and, and just really trying to dig into those those small nuances to people, to culture, to ideas. And while yes, quantitative big data is important, sometimes some of these biggest breakthroughs on getting people to do stuff is, is in some of the cultural nuances and whatnot. And I'm sure you've seen that too with the lollipop idea of like, you know, what's what's culturally acceptable and what's culturally feasible. Actually, if you ask me, Kevin, the lollipop, the term lollipop itself is a behavioral economics innovation idea. So what happened was, when I, if I call it chewable buckle cavity swab, it's a mouthful <laughs> and nobody, no one got it. Yeah, no I, whatever, you, whatever that is, I don't want to put it in my mouth. But a lollipop, no I will put and, a lollipop in my mouth for sure. If I call it a lollipop-like swab, things happen. And this is because I asked the question, why? And how do I make market accept my product? So a market likes a lollipop-like swab other than a chewable buckle cavity swab. People know both are the same thing. 
<laughs> so that's where you know the whole concept started. of course i got a lot of pr around the, the term lollipop which also helped help with me with my investment side to other things <laughs> that's a great example of showing how the little things and those yes. the words that you use are extremely important and you may that verbiage alone could have been the difference between sitting at the start line to you know now sprinting and moving yeah. forward actually even my toddler son uh, tells that my dad's making lollipops <laughs> that's so awesome <laughs> that's awesome my dad's a candy man no different type of lollipop that's so cool well so i i guess at the beginning i, I we did a little bit of intro but to give us as we're rounding up here just high level overview of your your startup Tell us what it's called and as well as, you know, how can people get involved and learn more about it? We are, okay, uh, our, we, we were formerly called as KX in Unleashed 2018. Uh, Combat X, we were making chewing gums uh, for sub-Saharan African countries for HIV testing. So the idea was uh, you chew a chewing gum, any chewing gum, it could be as long as there are no, not particular compounds, any chewing gum, you take a Ziploc bag, you spit the chewing gum and pour some salt water you zip it and then you generate a secret code online and write it down. And then you either drop it in a box or you can safely mail it. And then uh, you will run some very simple tests to tell whether you're HIV positive or not in an anonymous way. No names, just code numbers. That was the idea uh, in 2018 in Singapore Unleashed. And people got really excited because yes, the chewing gum could be used as a, as, a, as a device. And then I started my company around it. And... Uh, AX became Test at Home Private Limited under the accelerator, which Unleashed introduced to me. Uh, it was Entrepreneur First and Angela. These were the accelerators which Unleashed worked with and it used to be. So in that accelerator, I developed my business and economics knowledge in terms of how do I convert a scientific product into a marketable uh, medical device product. And then I got a funding from them of $100,000 for a 10% stake in my company. And uh, I used that money to build the product and do a clinical trial. So that's how the chewing gum became a lollipop. Of course, uh, COVID-19 pandemic was uh, very coming, forthcoming. And then I deployed my idea immediately to COVID-19 to address that particular sector. And now uh, our clinical trial was very successful. We got a 95% accuracy. So when compared to a nasal swap, our lollipop was 95% accurate. Thereby, you can safely not do nasal swap. The annoying no smoking thing, you need not do that. You can just chew on our lollipop. And it is flavored, by the way. So <laughs> don't worry, you'll enjoy it as well. And then you'll get this equivalent result to Onesis 4. So now we're currently deploying it in India, uh, Singapore, and other countries. And we are slowly turning into TB as well because the same product can be used for TB. So we are now focusing on TB as well. And uh, Unleash uh, has supported me till now and still supporting me in terms of community support, acceleration, and of course, meeting people like you and getting exposure to me to meet other innovators. And of course, if someone listens to this podcast and if they're interested to reaching out to me, they can reach out to me as well. So happy, happy to be sharing. Thank you so much for sharing all your entrepreneurial endeavors and your your scientific background and, and everything there. And just kind of lastly, a plug for you. If, if people did want to get in touch with you or the best website, I'll put this in the show notes, but just to, to hear it from your words, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you or your company? Sure, you can email me. I'll pass, them, pass my email to Kevin and you can email me. Uh, that'll be the best way to reach out to me. Or you can also connect me on LinkedIn, which is also easier and better. Than because I can also view you and you can view me in terms of doing research before meeting. 
Yeah, it's like, is this guy really making lollipops? I don't know if I want to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making a chewable buckle cavity swap, but it's a mouthful, so I simply made call it a lollipop next one. I think we have some interesting puns we can make around gum yes. and lollipops and how that ties into SDG3 global uh, good health and well-being. Yes. No, no, in fact, that has helped me, Kevin. So this lollipop, the term lollipop has helped with a lot of what we call as PR exercises. So I always end my pitch deck saying uh, making the world a better place from lollipop at a time, one lollipop technology at a time. So, you know, the whole pun being how a simple lollipop could change the world, which it can, technically can, because you are looking at the advanced genetic tests nowadays, which can simply analyze your saliva and tell you what kind of disease you're having. And it is possible. And we are at the forefront of that. Yep. Well, Vivek, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today here at the SDG Talks podcast. And on behalf of SDG Talks and the whole Unleashed community and everyone around the world, thanks for everything that you're doing. Keep it up and excited to see what's next for you and your company and all your exciting projects. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for this opportunity. And I hope we'll keep in touch. And thank you all to all listeners. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the SDG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow SDG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the SDG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on SDG Talks.